The views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of Cleveland State University, and my participation in this podcast is separate from my roles there as associate lecturer and director of the school psychology program. Further, this podcast is for educational use only and should not be considered professional advice. Welcome back, listeners, to the Hands Full Parenting Podcast. All right. Thanks for joining us for the Hands Full Parenting Podcast. This is actually episode number 22 and the start, I would say, the unofficial start of season two of our podcast. So we had about 21 episodes in season one. Not bad. Not every week like we had planned, but still pretty darn good for two uh, working dads. And I'm so happy to be back here with my co-host, uh, Axel Balsett, Anzi, Kiesisce. How are you, Patrick? I'm very well. I really missed talking to you these all these times. I don't know how I managed to cope with being a dad without this weekly <laughs> public cathartic moment we have created for ourselves. I know, public cathartic moment. Is that what it is? <laughs> I think I've, so. I think that's, I mean, we cannot teach anyone how to be a dad. We don't have that much of, of a, a knowledge to share. Everything we say you can find on Google. So let's, let's for, for our audience, I tried to have a conversation with Patrick all these months, just, you know, to talk about like friends, and we just couldn't. It was absolutely impossible. The only way we can do it is, with an audience. So this is a, <laughs> it's a public it's friendship. Fun. Exactly. Uh, that's a good, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, I've missed you buddy too. So, well, we both had some to take some time off uh, from our show back in February of this past year. I think it was February. Uh, so mm-hmm. Axel, um, why don't you catch everybody up on what you've been up to and, and why we've been so darn busy uh, that we couldn't podcast for these last couple of months. <laughs> Well, on my end, it's crazy on the school because um, I, I made a lot of improvements, built a new classroom, and, and expanded the, the extended the time of the school to to, to be a, a full time scheduling from from nine to four is our current schedule in order to get more students because it's a, it's a business. I mean, it, and it, I was going broke, and after I did all that, I was, I was still partly going broke. I mean, uh, it could survive, but I, I was not really getting the, the economical return equivalent to the input of energy I was putting. So it's, it, it was a, it's a fake business because I was just um, uh, having it run with my own blood <laughs> and my own energy without pay. So wow. Uh, that's, that's quite a bit. I don't know if I have as much going on, but um, you know, our, kids are a little bit younger and and my wife and I lost our childcare back in February. So I basically had to figure out how to watch kids while working full time for a few months, uh, which left zero time for preparing and recording shows. But what I did get to do kind of like you is learn a lot more uh, about parenting. And I grew even closer to my kids, especially Henry, who I spent a lot of time with because previously he would have had childcare and now I was watching him. So uh, our relationship grew. It evolved. I learned a lot more about um, his needs and what he responds well to. And and like you mentioned, I hope to share that in a follow up uh, episode as well. So and, and I wasn't the best employee during that time, 
but I, I will look back upon the spring of last year fondly in the sense that, uh, you know, before kindergarten, before Henry basically goes to school and I, I kind of lose touch with him to some degree because I don't know if it's the same there, but when you send your, your kid here to kindergarten and they're there full time, you almost feel like they're one step out the door and you're, you've kind of like lost them to some degree. And so for me, mm. it was like the last hurrah that I had like to imprint sort of as much as as sort of my relationship on onto Henry as as possible with all of that time that we had together that we'll unfortunately never have together uh again um mm. you know uh unless there's some unforeseen circumstance so it was it was a really really cool um spring with him but I'm back to uh to to be with you and for this podcast because I really missed it um so today we're going to discuss um, two different approaches to parenting, something that's been on my mind a lot. We're going to talk about the bad boss parenting style, uh, which I think comes naturally, unfortunately, at least to a lot of parents in the U.S., and we'll talk about what that means exactly, versus the good coach uh, method of parenting or, or style of parenting, and this being inspired by the hit TV show Ted Lasso on Apple TV, which I finally got Axel to start, start watching. I know that they they banned or they don't have Apple TV in Uruguay or did they that change all of a sudden? No, 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 no. We just had to resort. You know, I'm an Argentinian and we are not very fond of the law. So <laughs> I'm going to say somehow it appeared on my computer, a copy from uh, the first season of Ted Lasso. I don't know how I got there. So I'm not <laughs> approving any behavior. So, but you know, it came, it appeared there. It maybe well, it had to do with the fact that I told my wife, "Hey, remember when we were young and we used to do all this parroting of of movies that we liked and that we couldn't get?" I don't know. Maybe it's connected. I'm not pointing any fingers. But one night, my wife said, "Hey, here's that lasso," and she had it on a pen drive. I'll, uh, I think I, I'm not obliged to testify against my own spouse, right? <laughs> the FBI calls. So I watched the whole first season and it was awesome. I really liked it. I gotta say, Ted Lasso reminds me of my friend here, Patrick, <laughs> and of a great good deal of American people, great American people I've met, because I, I that's what I dig about Americans. They're the the power of uh, positive attitude and faith and, and believing. And so that's like the, the bright side of the Americans. Yeah, yeah, and and there's so much more to Ted Lasso as well. Just uh, and it's exactly I think what we needed in this country when we had so many models of behavior that were, I mean, even less than imperfect, really just bad, you know, um, just just poor models. And Ted Lasso is is someone who um, expects the best from us and who who brings out the best in us. And when there are so many people in the world who are bringing out the worst in people and rewarding the worst in people and enabling the worst in people. Ted Lasso is someone who does the opposite and that's what we all needed. And, and it's a real shame that the show is is over after only a couple seasons because uh, we, I think we could all use some more of him, but I think the lessons remain and the lessons for parenting are, um, you know, really resonate with me. So Let's anyway start with the bad boss style parenting, just so that we can understand what we mean by that. So, um, so the hallmarks of a bad of bad boss, and and I, I want to start this out by saying the reason I thought about this was because 
you know, when I heard a parenting guru, maybe from Instagram or, um, you know, some other YouTube channel that I was watching mentioned, you know, like we, if we watched um, ourselves on video um, and we were someone else, you know, parenting our children or, or talking to our children, what would we, what would we think of that person? And I thought about various parenting scenarios and the way that I had treated my children. And I would have been incensed at that person for how they had treated my child. Um, although that person was myself. So the only person I had to be upset with was myself, but it made me think, wow, like if I wouldn't accept that from someone else, why am I accepting that from myself? So um, what what is the alternative to this? So, so what does that look like, though? What are the hallmarks of a bad boss? And so the, I'll begin with saying, you know, I think that micromanaging our children, um, you know, uh, saying their name a, a million times, telling them to do things constantly, the helicoptering, the hovering, the snow plowing, and not letting them um, do anything, not uh, by themselves or or solve any problems themselves, um, constantly being there to nitpick. Um, I, you know, I think about this a lot, and and I feel like our kids, um, like like if we're a bad boss, a bad boss is constantly looking over your shoulder, constantly critiquing your work and picking at it, um, and telling you what to do, and telling you when you did something wrong, and getting frustrated with you. Um, but yeah. I feel like that's what a lot of parents do. Yes, and it's also um, uh, connected with this other behavior of uh, sending constant commands or uh, ordering all the time your child what to do or a lot of the time, because obviously the measurement of, of a, a good upbringing is how well you respond you respond to orders and to and, and the level of obedience, immediate blind obedience you have towards your parent. And even though we've talked about this as a, a necessary measurement for certain situations, when you stop your child from crossing the street alone and say, nope, and he stops and doesn't get hit by a, by a car. Uh, there are many instances where that's absolutely not necessary. And um, parents, some parents, this, this, the, the bad boss parent or the bad boss, the bad coach also cannot uh, live without this sense of losing grip of the other person's or the other the, the child in this case uh, behavior right and so it it's um it's connected with with this uh, attitude that you were mentioning before right helicoptering hovering snow plowing yeah you know th this bad boss situation is is i think also brings with it um some like berating and interrogating behavior um, you know, when a child does something that a parent doesn't like, and I think, I don't know why this is the go-to or the default for parents, but it's the default for me. The number one thing that I think of when my child does something that I don't like or disagree with is I want to say, why did you do that? What, what were you thinking? You know, I'm frustrated and I'm thinking why, and, uh, I want to know why they did that, what they were thinking. And then some parents take it a step further um, I was watching some like what I, I think are, are perfectly good people uh, at a baseball game the other day, and they were actually talking about the show Ted Lasso. And so I was like, oh, man, maybe I'd get along with these folks are talking about Ted Lasso. I want to get in this in this conversation. Meanwhile, their son was playing with some younger kids at the baseball game because that's what you do at, you know, kids baseball games when your brothers are playing, you're playing with other kids, you know, behind the dugout or whatever. And the the boy was saying something like oh, you know, like you shouldn't do that or else, you know, this will happen and then you might die. And 
um, the dad caught wind of that and he called his son over and he said, what are you doing? Why are you talking about dying to those young kids? You're scaring them. And he's like, what's wrong with you? What's gotten into you? And, um, you know, it's the what's wrong with you. Uh, like, why would you ever think that that's okay? Like, what, what's gotten into you? And, and then dad said, sit right down here. Don't talk for the rest of the day. Just, just sit there and don't say anything. You know, and I was like, oh man, you know, like that is what would have come to mind to me to say um, if, you know, I, I didn't step back and, and think about it and say, oh, you know, is this really going to be helpful? Is this going to be useful long-term or um, am I just going to demoralize my child and not teach mm. them anything? But I think that this is the default for a lot of parents. I don't know if it's because it's what we've witnessed from our own parents or witnessed from other parents, or if it's just a really bad instinct that we have, or but it's what we what we go to. Uh, and well, I often think I'm like, uh, I'll just say this, like, I, I think that our default, our instinct, at least here for parenting is like the worst thing that we could do for our kids in the sense of just like being unhelpful. I think that um, in order not to create a, a false opposition here, uh, where we are the good guys that we admit to sometimes, let's say that every human being has, I propose this, that every human being has different um a different range of behaviors some that are more true to a loving and truthful way of thinking and feeling and one that is more connected with desperation with uh, uh, an instinct of self-preservation that doesn't see anything else but our own um survival well-being whatever right because i think that we all resort to this for example what we're talking about asking these stupid questions to our kids or talking harshly <laughs> when we are tired stressed uh exhausted going through a very and we we all say these things i gotta tell you that what's wrong with you is something very american mm. or, or british i don't know but but yeah. it doesn't exist in spanish there's no translation if you hear a, a, a bad what dad problem you don't say that ¿Cuál es tu problema? No, we don't say it. And we don't say it to kids. Maybe Mexicans saying because the, the language is more connected to the to to I mean more influenced by the the, the English language. Mm. Like maybe if you say this, the, I, I've heard like gang members talking to each other in Spanish saying ¿Cuál es tu problema, hermano? Maybe some guy, but still, what is your problem? It's not the same. ¿Cuál es tu problema? What is your problem? Than saying what's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So in, in Spanish, if we were to shout at a kid, we'd say, we say, don't, no seas tarado. Don't, no seas estúpido. Don't be stupid. Mm. So he's doing something and telling me, don't be stupid. You are being stupid. But it's very different, very different. Now you are having this behavior, then you are wrong. Exactly. You are inherently wrong. And then the behavior comes out of that. Mm. Really, it's something that, that strikes me, uh, uh, or I would like, would Uh, venture to suggest that it's connected with this very heavy pressure on on the individual that it's the other side of the Ted Lasso uh, what Ted Lasso tells us about American culture like it's all about the individual it's all about the the, the, the you building the American dream you living you living up to be or not and you know Latins usually tend to blame other people and other, and the culture and the system and the state for our fate and our behavior but not necessarily not so we're not so hard on our own capabilities so i guess it's 
I mean, I'm just suggesting that's off point. But anyways, yeah. Uh, so so yeah. Uh, so then we end up asking our kids questions that are just paralyzing, that are not yeah. really questions. We don't want to know. We just want to censor that behavior, and that's all it is expressing, right? Yeah, it's, it's censure. It's just like you yes. know, condemning condemnation. It's an anger. We might as well just yell at them, you know, just say, ah, because that's basically what it is. It's it's not like any of those questions are helpful. Like if they could actually answer those questions to say, well, right now, I just don't have the social skills really to know that I shouldn't say those things to young children. <laughs> On top of that, I didn't get great sleep last night because it was the 4th of July and there were lots of tire fireworks and I'm pretty tired and I actually haven't eaten tonight. Did you know you didn't feed me dinner because you were rushing off to this game and I'm really hungry and I it, it didn't help with and- my Control. If I may, Dad, if I may, would you be so kind as considering your own point of view that maybe talking about death to other children is not necessarily scary? Maybe I have a point here, even though I'm not well fed and not well slept and I haven't developed my social skills, I might be have a point here. Let yeah. them face reality. I'm not saying it this to scare them. What do you think, Dad? Maybe we should go grab a, a beer and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and that is why the why question is the dumbest question a parent can ask. I mean, I do it all the time. Don't get me wrong. I'm as guilty as the next person, parent, but it's not helpful because if they could explain all those things, they wouldn't do whatever they did that really upsets you. Um, And Mm -hmm. I kind of learned this. My daughter actually was really good at explaining all these things, like at at, at being sensitive um, and and self-aware enough to know all these things. And she would tell me some of those things. And she would also say, and also, dad, I'm a young kid. Young kids make mistakes. And I would be like, oh, shoot, man. (laughs) Touche. Putting me in my place. You're right. Um, So... Yeah, um, this is, I think, uh, the berating and interrogating. It's another bad boss um, style of parenting. Um, Punitive is also uh, a hallmark of of being a bad boss, being punitive, like frequent use of punishments. Um, and, And I think it's not just the use of punishments, but it's also the way in which they're meted out. You know, I think we talked about this in previous episodes that like you can hang punishments or the threat of punishments over a child's head but there are two ways of doing it. There's one way of doing it where you're like, oh, and you're, you're, you're showing like visceral, you know, anger, you're scaring your child, you're being traumatic about it, you're, you know, potentially damaging the relationship and, you know, bit by bit. And there's another way of, of saying, look, if you do this, then no offense, um, but you're going to not get dessert tonight. You know, that's just the way it is. Or, you know, mm-hmm. this is a natural consequence. If if you're going to do this, then we can't go to the pool. That's just the way it is. No offense. I, I don't mean, like, so I think that with a bad boss, they're, they're screaming at you. They'll, they're yelling at you or they're raising their voice or they're um, showing you some emotion that, that suggests that they are personally angry at you as opposed to meeting out um, punishment in a sort of, of like measured way, you know, and in one way sort of leaves lines open for communication when you're just saying, this is it, this is matter of fact, this is natural consequence. Another way is I'm scaring you. I'm angry at you. And it doesn't leave any lines up for, for communication. Any Mm -hmm. thoughts on that, Axel? Yes, I completely agree. Um, um, it's it, again. It's all about the place where it comes from, because that's one of the things about Ted Lasso that I, that I we finished season one yesterday, and um, in three days we watched the whole season. Awesome. Um, so um, 
I think it's more the place where he is standing even before he arrives to the place than the things he says or or does. He does, yes. Um, that he is the the the, the um, it's not positive in nature. Uh, let me let's let's clarify this thing of positive, right? Because you were telling me, and we are sharing this with our listeners. Maybe it's just your dad and 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 our families, <laughs> if they are still up to this. But maybe it's two hundred people. I don't know. So I'm going to open up and and <laughs> tell everybody that that uh, Patrick was telling me that I could just you know instead of doing all this problem here in Uruguay, go open a, a school in Ohio with him and, and well, not, not with him, but next to him and, and, uh, and then franchise it and make tons of dollars. And why wouldn't I? Because that's true. The U.S. is a land of opportunity. But I was telling him that when I was down there, up there, um, one of the things that I, I wasn't very comfortable with was some sort of forced positive attitude towards life. Really? You know, I come from a Methodist family. I'm, I'm a quarter American, I was realizing lately. So I think I can criticize them, you know, as, as Jews can make Jewish jokes and black people can say the, the N-word and all those things I've learned about comedy. I think I can criticize Americans because I'm a quarter American. I think anyone can criticize Americans anyway, so that's no problem. You're, you're a proud quarter American. I'm a proud quarter. Yeah, I am. So I was telling a lot of people there, and especially I was in, in Florida and, and since my, my relatives over there were Methodists, so they, they had this very um, religious positive outlook, which is very different from Catholic outlook. It comes from my other side of the family, my Spanish side. And I felt like drowned, like something was asphyxiating me. Because when you are taught to be positive, it is connected in a way to repress your negativity. This is what Latin Americans and Argentinians in general don't do. We don't repress our negativity, right? We complain about everything. We're very negative. Uh, you've seen people celebrating at the World Cup probably, and it was embarrassing. But on a certain level, it's more honest. So emotionally, you can you feel like there, ha there is room to breathe and to express yourself. And, and if things don't come up your way, you don't, you don't feel so frustrated because you know, you're used to that. But when you live in a society that pushes forward positive attitudes so hard, you became asphyxiated. And I like that the point of Ted Lasso was that his wife was actually asphyxiated by that. I don't know how it ends up because I haven't seen season two, three, and four. I hope she discovers that in spite of that, he's a great guy, but I don't know. Is he going to go with the owner of the club? What's going to happen? I don't know. Don't tell me. Don't spoil it. <laughs> but the conflict is said, and that is present. The wife just can't stand that he's so into solving problems, such a positive attitude. So I'm, I'm, what I'm pointing is, if as a parent you're taking that side, then you are probably going to react in an equal but opposite way. Will be That will be, you cannot use a punishment because you got to be positive when it's necessary. You cannot... Uh, um, uh, be harsh when sometimes it's necessary and so on. But having said that, I think that the, the problem with punishments as you're presenting is exactly that if, if it comes from a place of calm and positive, but in, in terms of, and now I need to define what I really think it is, is, is a calm and deep belief in the good of 
existence and human beings in general, even though you acknowledge that they can be selfish and horrible. And that's very close to your mind. But you believe, like Ted Lasso, that in the end, people are good, that that children, if treated right, they're going to be good, that everybody has a good intention somewhere there waiting for the right circumstances to arrive. So if you come from that perspective, then a punishment can be good. Like when Ted Lasso takes out Jamie Tart of the of the soccer. Oh, we should tell people that if they haven't seen Ted Lasso the first season, they shouldn't listen because there is are some spoilers, I guess. Spoiler alert, yeah. It's yes. all right. So that's why well, that's why when I think all these things we're talking about, they depend on this the attitude that they come from. And the bad boss comes from fear and thinking that control will do something to relieve that fear. And the, the 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 good coach comes from the belief in people. That's why the show has this sign believe. But ultimately, it's not believing miracles. It's believing human beings. It's empathy, right? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, the person who is being disciplined or taught needs to trust in the humanity of the person who is disciplining um, or punishing, you know, that they are there to help and that they care about them and that they have their their best interests in mind and at heart it's when there's a question about that you know like is this person just a bad person this bad boss are they manipulative are they egotistical are they narcissistic narcissistic do they have all sorts of their own problems that are getting in the way um, from them really trying to help me or help me develop am am i just caught you know in this situation where i have this terrible parent or terrible boss? Um, or do I really believe in this person? I have this relationship. And if you have that relationship, then you realize that this person may get upset with you, may punish you, but at the end of the day is there because they love you, they care about you, they want the absolute best for you. And I think it's, it's making sure that that relationship, that understanding always exists. And as we've talked about in previous episodes, where, uh, you know, that can mean explain when we mess up because we do that all the time as parents talking about our feelings negative or positive in situations um and repairing relationships repairing situations after we've made mistakes to be sure that that intention is always clear mm -hmm. yeah i agree so uh, so i'll just you know finish up just talking about this punitive style you know it, it also it comes with sometimes shouting sometimes screaming um, you know, and I, I think like we can raise our voices with our kids. There are moments where there's justified indignation and they need to know that we're personally, you know, emotionally frustrated with them. But I think that the majority of moments aren't those. We save them for certain times, just like Ted Lasso saves them yeah. for certain moments. I don't know if you saw the Jamie Tart scene in which Ted uh, loses it for the first yes. time. Yes, 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 yes. Then that was justified, right? Because mm -hmm. Jamie really got it at that at that moment or started to get it. But um but interesting, I'll just say this quickly that you mentioned the asphyxiation thing and the and the focus on positivity. There is a lot of that in the US, but it does come to a head in uh subsequent seasons, so stay tuned. Okay, um, but, I will. I yeah. will. <laughs> so, um so yeah, these these um you know, punitive bosses or punitive parents, they're also inconsistent. 
Sometimes they impose punishments, sometimes they don't, sometimes they respond to a behavior in a certain way and um, other times not. Sometimes they punish and then they feel bad about it and then they immediately go out and you know buy the child ice cream or go get them a, a gift from, from Target um, or whatever. Do you have Target down there? No, we don't. All Sorry. right. Well, next time you come up here, you'll have to experience <laughs> the joy of Target. <laughs> um, as well, these folks are emotionally unstable. You never know what you're going to get from them. Um, they could be happy one day and, you know, they're riding high. And then the next moment they switch like a light and they're like the devil. Uh, you just don't know what you're going to get from them. Sometimes they're violent. They throw things, they break things. Um, this is when, you know, they may begin pushing or shoving in anger. Uh, I think that a lot of, you know, good parents, have a moment in their head where they're thinking, I really want to, you know, hit my child. Uh, and, and it's even hard to say that, you know, like verbalize it, but there are moments where parents, you know, aren't have, being effective in any other way to stop a behavior or change a behavior. And the thought passes through their head that, that they want to strike their child. But and there but are some parents wonder, who actually do. I, I want us to, to address, because some, maybe someone is listening over there apart from our and relatives and, and, and friends <laughs> and, and saying, wait, 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 yeah, they are talking about me. So what are they telling me that I'm a bad person? I'm a bad parent. What, what's, what's the deal with this show? And we may lose one subscriber. You know, we have 25. It's not, that, that wouldn't be a good idea. So I want us to, to think about what, why does a person do that? A person does that. Why does a person does that? Is that my do that? Oh, do do because I have already yes. Sorry, my English grammar is rusty. You, we, you did, we didn't speak in five months, and now I don't. I have forgotten how to speak in English. Yes. So why does a person do such a thing? And I have a theory, and and the theory is based on another TV show, which I've asked you to watch several times, and you haven't, and even though you do have paramount on your tv screen so is if any of our listeners or viewers now because we're recording this has watched yellowstone right mm -hmm. yellowstone is about people who live on the countryside and their idea it, you, you may criticize and i have a lot of a lot to criticize about the show but i was i was telling you patrick that i also think that shows that show shows some of the great things about america and some of the terrible things about america too just like at last of mind, right? But one of the things I think many people value, and they are right to believe that this is a value, is that you got to toughen up your kids. Now, in that show, he goes way overboard. I don't want to spoil it for you. But you could understand who someone coming from that background, living in a state of war, let's say, with because the American settlers had to wage war against the American natives right otherwise the there wouldn't be so many white people over there and that was a reality i mean horrible but if you were the son of a settler you were raised in war and your son would have been raised until they they've managed to 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 finish that war by decimating the, the native americans i mean you had generations of people living in a state of war and then at war with each other until boundaries were really established so if you are in a society that is at war, you need to instill on your child some warrior sense and some level of um, 
a higher level of obedience and a higher level of resistance. So well, that's what you see. And in that show, I think you see that the, the, the impact on children, that is quite horrible and quite terrible. But I don't think it's good to, to completely say that's out of the question. And I think because if not, we cannot reach out to this parent that is listening to us and feels criticized. As I were telling you, hey, John Dutton, Kevin Costner, um, maybe you need to understand that to toughen up your kid, uh, it's it's good that you are harsh sometimes and you put some punishes, but there has to be a way without completely humiliating his soul. And there is a warrior that can be emotionally healthy and doesn't need to be uh, an extreme leftist Democrat to, to, to talk to our Republican audience, right? That's not the two options. The, 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 the super woke fan, fan that I keep seeing on TikTok and so that, you know, well, has all these views that the mainstream America doesn't share either. That's not the option to be to have an emotionally open situation. But I think that many parents, when they are violent, thinks, I care. I punish you because I care because my dad didn't even look at me. I am trying to raise a man out of you. I'm paying attention. I'm not going away to play poker or to, to, to the rodeo or to whatever. I'm not on my own. I'm here dedicating my time to you. And this is what I have to give. What other love are you? If you cannot get my love, then it's your problem. So I think if I want to think not about the parent that is doing all those things because it's overboard, but the parent that consists considers this a way of raising a child that maybe they they have a little bit of a point in being harsh, but but this podcast should just tell them, hey, why don't you see where is it coming from? Because if you are personally angered at this, it's not the same as you are very uh, strongly emphasizing a limit. Because you think in this life's child, this will be very important. A, not alluding to anyone, totally get why people would come to this. Um, but B, yeah, there's a, a, a better way of toughening your kid up um, while maintaining your relationship and, and really realizing that intention um, and making sure that your child knows your intention and sees that you are imposing a limit as opposed to getting angry and taking it out on them. You know, there are plenty of kids um, who were raised with an amount of physical violence from their parents who have turned out just fine and not become physically violent themselves. But then we need to look at, well, what is the reason that those kids did not um, become physically violent themselves? What is the reason that they, you know, turned out uh, just fine? And I think that maybe intention has a lot to do with it in, in the different uh, parenting styles. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, moving on um, to the healthy um, uh, good coach parenting style that um, we are focusing this this podcast on. And I kind of want to start um, by talking about a little TikTok clip I saw by Dr. Russell Barkley. He is an ADD, ADHD guru, written many books on the subject and is, is kind of seen as like the sort of godfather of, of knowledge about ADD and ADHD. Um, so he's the real deal, not just a, a, you know, a TikTok influencer who wants to tell you about parenting. And he said that uh, parents should detach from the belief that your children are a direct reflection of you and that you are 100% in control based on your parenting of who they become and, and how like that basically you are engineering them, that you're transforming them 
through your parenting. He said, as opposed to being an engineer, he said, parents should think about being a shepherd um, of their children. And what a shepherd does is he watches over, uh, he or she watches over their 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 flock, right? They guide mm-hmm. them to, to safe pastures, keep them safe um, from other animals, from other predators. They guide them to good pasture lands. Um, they take care of them when they're sick. Um, you know, and, and so there are these, there are these guides that, that, that feed, take care of, keep safe. Um, and beyond that, uh, he says, basically the kids are born with 400 different psychological traits that emerge as kids mature. And they have very little to do with you, um, that they're an amalgam of our ancestors. He called it a genetic mosaic of the extended family, right? Um, basically saying you can't engineer them. They're not a blank slate that you get to write on. Um, and what this does, I think for me, and I think for a lot of parents is it kind of removes this like huge sense of responsibility and guilt that we have, that we're not living up to our call to be the ultimate parent. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that there's, there's a specific brand of parenting that exists these days that where it's the parent as the engineer of their child. Um, and it's just not really possible. I think you know, maybe there are those situations where, you know, um, the, the parent like Tiger Woods' dad turns him into this, this golfing, you know, um, you know, uh, gigantic Machine. star, right? Yeah. But what are the consequences of that? You know, I, and, and they are real. So like kids are born as unique individuals. And we see this as parents, parents talk about all the time. I raised these two kids or three kids or four kids the exact same way. And they are so different, right? What is that telling us? That genetics is really strong. But what we do get is we get to choose their environment. We get to guide them. We get to keep them safe, well-fed, teach them. Um, and we realize that this, the environment is important, but it's not going to redesign the sheep per se. And accepting this is the only way to break free from this sensation that it's that it's all about you and your parenting. And, and I think it'll help us break free and detach from the bad boss style of parenting. And I realize that the more we think of ourselves as this, this shepherd um, that's sort of like, you know, standing at a higher elevation and observing the flock, you know, observing our children and helping to guide them to keep them safe and, and sort of put them in a position where they're likely to thrive, like that's a much better scenario than, um, you know, being right next to the sheep and, and trying to control its every move in order to make sure it becomes something that it can't become. Hmm. It's interesting. I think the shepherd has the advantage that the, the sheep are not of his same race and do not share their same ADN. Yeah, yeah, DNA, yeah. Because <laughs> that's when things become problematic. That the, the, it's it's that it's very inevitable from a biological point of view not to see your children as an extension of yourself, because on a biological level they are an extension of yourself. If to you some are, degree, yes. To some degree, they are, and you see, and you see the physical traits, and of course, if your kid is adopted, this also comes into play, uh, even though you don't have the biology on your side. But but it's still, I mean, we are used to that because we they are an extension of our psychology because they have imitated most a lot of its psychology i mean how they deal with those traits we do have an influence so it's uh, i think the the shepherd it's it's a good analogy 
but um, I was just trying to add on why is it why it's so hard to keep that uh, loving, impartial, detached attitude towards your children or your or even the students. I mean, when you have students that are little kids, at least I don't know if something happens when you have what happens like you that you have. Um, I mean, they are 18 years old, 17. How old are your students? They are. Oh, uh, my students are probably school. anywhere between um, 18 and 50. 50. Oh, okay. So, so they are adults. You consider them adults. I don't know if oh, you, you. Yeah. I mean, they, they just range. Most are younger. Most are like 18 to 25. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And I was, I was confused. But, but when you deal with little children, to a certain point, it's also dif difficult to, to, Not to think, hey, these are my students. They are what they do reflect on who I am, right? And uh, it's a lot of ego and confusion over there. Not, not ego in a, in a or also only in a narcissistic or selfish way, but ego in the sense of identity we build that we need to build psychologically to understand ourselves, to interact with the world, to to insert in society. We cannot be a member of society without. Uh, a character with certain traits. And so, I mean, it wouldn't be possible, but so how do we do it? Right. How do we, we transition from this uh, engineering position you're, you're, you're presenting that I think goes both ways. And you're saying it too. Like we believe we can engineer our kids in the same way. We believe we can engineer ourselves that we could be, better looking, funnier, thinner, healthier, more positive thinkers or more critical or stronger or th thicker skinned, which is a trait we, 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 we both uh, talk about, about how to develop a, a thicker skin because we deal with conflicts. We, we are in human very, well, all professions have human interactions, but being a teacher involves maybe a little bit more than being you know, a, a programmer. And uh, and uh, and we 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 still think when we talk about it that we can do something about it that we can do a lot about it. Maybe it's not that we cannot do anything. We can do something, but mostly we are we don't have a thick skin. There will never come a time where we don't won't care about people being rude for no reason. It won't come, but yeah. we haven't abandoned that illusion of, of controlling ourselves. So maybe I don't know. I think it works both ways. You cannot do it only with your children. You got to treat yourself in a certain way, saying, "Well." I am what I am. I am what I am. And there is no, no one, and this is, I mean, we, we would be killing all the industry of self-help. Nobody has the, the, the tools or the recipe for you to change into what you want to be. And this is very anti-American message. And I, I tell you, I do love Tony Robbins. So I, I do understand the power of becoming something better than you are now. I do believe in that effort. You can change, you can improve, but there is a limit to that. Not if you come from the point where you don't respect and accept who you are, or at least that there are things that will never change. This is a very anti-American um, <laughs> idea, though, because we want to believe, I mean, this is in America, they say, you can be anything you want to be if you put your yeah. mind to it. And yeah. I think it messes a lot of us up because the fact is, most of us have genetic parameters within which we have to work. And if we accepted those genetic parameters, we'd probably be a lot happier with our station in life. And not yes. be striving towards something that was a relative impossibility, right? Yes. 
We'd have yes. less kids who, you know, when they're younger, um, like myself, wanted to be a basketball star or a, or a golf pro when, you know, they they had, you know, very significant genetic limitations, you know, and we need to realize our talents and, and what we were gifted with. And I think probably maximize and leverage those. And, you, you know, like going back to this, this um, idea, if we're going to be critical evaluators of Russell Barkley's analogy, um, right, I, I think that we can help our children's epigenome express in healthier ways. We can mm -hmm. potentially keep some of the more negative aspects of their DNA from expressing by helping them to live, in, you know, to, to eat right, to sleep well, to raise them in a, you know, as, as stress-free an environment at, at home as possible for giving them coping strategies to address the stress and anxiety in their lives. Um, you know, just as you can kind of, raise a, a prize sheep, you know, to take to the state yeah. fair or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. you, you can do a lot, I think, with, within those boundaries. But what you can't do is, is transform something in, into some like ultimate ideal that is not within the genetic limitations of your child. And, and the thing that we don't, we, I think that this is one of the things that, that I, I really resent when I see on Instagram and on TikTok people talking with authority about what to do with your child. Right. These are the what to do with a tantrum, what to do with them. And people are desperate for that because the truth is we don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody has really a clue. We may have experience, but every time, even with the same kid, is absolutely new. So how do we combine the fact that we're not going to be able to change the, the 400 different psychological traits they bring with the other truth? That is, we don't know what those 400 traits are. So we may we we need to keep a sense of awe because maybe this kid turns out to be a pro golfer. So if I don't nurture enough golfing stages, he doesn't end up or a pro basketball player, even though he doesn't have the, the necessary height, let's <laughs> say to, to be a pro. But maybe he ends up being this wonderful kid that, you know, I don't know, but I cannot push it. But I cannot even be sure that it doesn't have. So both things are true in terms of, I, I like the part of believing, as I was saying at, of Ted Lasso, or the part, it's beautiful that Americans in say, you can be anything you want, because that allows a good number of Americans to be outstanding. If they have a society that would tell everybody, yeah, you're not going to be, you're going to be average. Then those who could be above average would also convince themselves that they are not about to be that, and they would they are not going to make the efforts. But the opposite is harmful too, because although it allows those extraordinary figures to become Michael Jordan, Tony Robbins, and whatever you want to know, but it also pushes many of them, those who have average psychological and, and physical traits to feel bad. There's something I'm not doing. Why am I not messy? So we need to keep a balance between those two, between not pushing and also believing. Yeah. And in the middle, how do we navigate through that? That's where I think that it's very important to accept that we don't know and then we got to take it step by step and be very open and very attentive and very alert. But that's all we have. Every step of the way to look around and say, hey, oh, whoa, 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 my kid is really developing us. Let's feed him this. Whoa, 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 he doesn't like it anymore. It seems like he reached his limit. I'm not going to push it from outside. I got to gotta be alert. Not because two years ago, he said, I want to be a baseball star. I'm going to push him until he's 18 to become that, that he needs to be. Maybe that's, it was, you know, 
but nobody can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. There's no psychological test to uh, to assess where to push and where to <laughs> to be lenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, especially you know, as we watch, you know, kids who maybe were pushed too much or kids who um, are successful but unhappy. Like at the end of the day, I mean, does I? As a parent, I would like to think, at least this is the way I feel, you want your kid to be happy, healthy, and to be able to support themselves. And like evolutionarily, we want them to survive, right? I mean, that's our instinct. We want them to be able to survive um, on their own, to be able to take care of themselves and also to be happy and healthy doing it. Um, because, okay, you could just be surviving, but if if you're not feeling like you're doing what you want to do or you're happy that you're alive, that's obviously pretty sad. So so, so like being the ultimate something, you know, um, for me is, is unnecessary, you know, because that I feel like is maybe often at the cost of something else. Well, you know, I think there is something about Ted Lasso that is also very un-American that is very good. And it's put there that is, he has a low self-esteem, but on the other hand, he is very confident on himself. And that's a combination we could, since we are basing this podcast on Ted Lasso, that we could extract as a parent because to have low, low self-esteem in this context would be that your image or your idea of how much you value is not at stake. It does not depend on whatever results happen. If you lose, you don't care because you, you're not proving anyone that you're great because you're reconciled with the fact that you may be a loser. <laughs> Very hard for an American, right? That's why Telasto is so strange. A coach on sports, allowing himself to be a loser, talking about winning is not important. It was, I think that that's kind of naive. If you can point to me, point out a coach actually on the, on the league that thinks like that, I would really like to see a real person figure. But anyway, as a work of fiction, it's useful because it points us... But then when he's playing darts, you see that he does not doubt the ability with that, that he has really developed playing darts with his father. Remember that scene, right? Mm -hmm. So he's very confident and he uses it. He doesn't need to show off. So I think that that attitude allows him, for example, to see a solution where it's not expected. Like when he allows the, um, Nate to give this pep talk to the, to the players. Because to allow, uh, what's the name of the guy who carries the bottles of water? Uh, uh, the, the ball boy. The ball boy to give the pep talk is because you believe that truth can go through anyone, not just you. You're not supposed to know everything. You're just there, not knowing. And that's wonderful. And you let someone else take the center stage. And that's very American too. Because that's a Quaker tradition, right? Yeah. I've heard that in, in, in the Quakers gather around and they don't have a priest. Maybe this is all a lie, but <laughs> that they, they gather around and they don't have a priest. So whoever feels God's talking through them just says whatever he feels. And then they have a very less structured way of, of uh, preaching, right? Mm -hmm. So the approach to religion, to religion is much more respectful of the layman. It's yeah. whether in a Catholic perspective is, you know, you have a Pope and you have a whole career, you cannot be in touch with God unless, but for Americans, you know, anyone can become a preach. 
That's, that's what you see in, in movies. It's like, oh, you feel the call, you grab your Bible and you go and you start your own church. It, it's in their DNA. So I guess it should be closer to an American culture to, to believe in that God may be anywhere or that the answer, the truth may be in an expected place and not in always in you. Well, hmm. I think that's how you built such a great society. I have never thought about that. Um, I do think that it's useful that uh, Ted Lasso isn't all about winning, you know, at least at first. Um, I think it's so American to win um, at any cost and to think about the, you know, other aspects of, of what's important to being a coach and to raising young people uh, was, was really useful for us, um, you know, as, as, a, as a culture. And I, and I hope that Ted Lasso has an impact on our, on our culture more broadly. Um, you know, we see that in uh, coaching of, of kids in, um, you know, the U.S. Like they, they have to put signs up at our baseball fields that say, like, your kid is not in the MLB, the Major League Baseball League. Um, mm-hmm. The umpires are, are volunteers. Um, you know, coaches <laughs> are volunteers. Um, you know, basically telling parents, chill out. You know, it's not that big yeah. a deal. Uh, they're there to have fun. This is a this is a game and it's fun. It says it on the sign. It says this is a game and it's fun. And so yeah, Ted Lasso really necessary uh, at this moment. But so let's let's jump to talking about some of the hallmarks of. I'm, I'm Ted Lasso. sorry, but Go ahead. I'm looking at the time and you have a meeting coming up. I, I do have a meeting coming up. Do we do we want to cut it off here and and continue? Yeah. Next week? I think so. So we don't need to 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 cut it abruptly because. Yeah, that makes sense. We've got a lot of good things to talk about with regard to yeah. um, this sort of coaching style. So let's not rush it. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, with, with our wrap up, um, as always, I know everyone has been missing this part of the podcast, especially my dad. Um, so, Axel, give it to us. <laughs> okay. but it's I didn't do this, so I would have time to to tell my dad jokes. I just wanted to. Oh, whatever. Foster- Whatever. <laughs> no, but 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 I wanted to say something before before the dad jokes. That, that yeah. The example you gave of your daughter telling you, you know, I'm just a child and whatever, as she said, and, and and I'm supposed to be make mistakes. Yeah, contains, of course, you put the emphasis on the wisdom of she's saying that, but you listening to that is what I'm talking about of being in this place of doubt. And of yourself, not considering you have all the answers and you're taking that for granted, but that's a great thing. So you can listen up to your kids. Yeah. Because many times, not always, I repeat, not always, your kid has a piece of the answer on how he needs to be raised. So we get to look, listen, this is very Montessori too, pay attention because sometimes you don't need to go to any psychologist or any other person, you just got to listen and be open with this internal attitude that you were obviously embodying that, hey, my daughter may know more about it. I don't know if a generation passed, your dad would have had that, your dad who we love, (laughs) would have that frame of mind because that has changed with times and probably your grandfather would have never thought that his son would be able to tell him anything about his upbringing. So this is a, a good thing that, that it's available to any parent. Your kid is there and he knows some things, right? If you are, if you have a Ted Lasso, a good coach uh, approach. Yeah. And what you mentioned that in that is well, is that like not every child can be parented in the same way or needs the same approach. They're all not nails and we're not all hammers. We have to have a toolkit 
um, ready to, you know, discipline and raise them in the way that they need to be raised based on who they are as an individual, right? And that requires, as you said, being sensitive and aware and listening um, to their needs. Yeah, I, I actually, what you told me, uh, what you told about your dad reminded me of a time that my dad, I my dad took me to, I think I've told you this before, took me first to a very progressive cycle school with no rules and I suffered. And then he changed me to, to a school that was very, very good, but very Catholic and very strict. And he always remembered that he told me, look, son, I'm doing this for your good because I want you to, to be strong and to be raised in this school. And, and he, so he took the time to explain. But then I answered back, look, Dad, I know you're trying to do some good to me, but you're, you're doing something bad to me, right? And, uh, and uh, he always remembers that phrase. But the fact is, and he always tells it like I was some sort of wise kid saying that. But I realized through our conversation that he was the wise guy to listen to that, right? And that's very important. So... I don't know. Well, what I wanted to tell you was, first of all, I want to thank everyone uh, for sticking with me for a while while I figured out the meaning of many, you know, because it means a lot. <laughs> also, I wanted to, I've been thinking about, you know, I want to do one, one day we need to do a show about um, chores. You know, how physical chores, that's the way you pronounce course, it. Yeah, yeah. How physical work can, can help children develop and mature. I have a story about that with my own child next time, maybe, or the next one. So I've been thinking about uh, a carpentry pun, you know, something that would work. <sighs> and, and I think I nailed it, but nobody saw it. Okay. <sighs> And I think I'm going to leave you here because maybe it's too so much. It's Very been a while. You, you may have lost, you know, the capability of digesting these things. And I don't want you, you know, to be sleepless tonight. So awesome. uh, that I being like said, you. thank you, very everybody. My, my dad See is going to love that, that carpentry uh, <laughs> that joke. He will absolutely love that. All right. Until next week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll finish this off with episode 23. And hopefully we'll get this up on YouTube. Oh, great. Right? All right. We'll see okay. everyone next week. Yeah. Bye bye.